Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- a bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers. They're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort. 
from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. What do you do? Well, um, I travel quite a bit for work and for pleasure. Uh-huh. Um, but Sounds I'm, like fun. I mean, how could you hate it? I know, right? You can't hate it. <laughs> um, but I'm like more so in the beauty and lifestyle space. Oh, cool, cool, cool. What about you? Me, I am a medical malpractice defense attorney in New York City. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. Last time we spoke to you, We did not know who was going to win the presidential election in the United States of America, and Tasha Adams had not yet hit 1 million followers on Instagram. God, so much has happened. Tasha was the first black player to hit a million Instagram followers in our beloved game. Historic moment. Congratulations to Tasha, and it's happening right in line with her first night as Bachelorette, getting to wear her new crown. And by the way, We would be remiss if we didn't include also that it looks like Claire will hit 1 million followers. We are projecting that. I also am going to say maybe Dale Moss is going to hit 1 million followers. They are gaining astronomical numbers. Claire is right now sitting at 932,000 followers. Dale's at 645,000. And we, as you know, just saw them again on tonight's episode. Is that going to give them another little bump? We will see. But they are both on trajectory for huge, huge numbers because of what has been so far a historic and strange season. And it continues to get stranger as we saw tonight. I also cannot stop watching their social media It's like I was starved for the Bachelor game and it was cut short and now I'm just inhaling their weird videos that they're putting out. I think we all are and it's for the exact reason you just said. We are used to seeing a couple get formed out of this process over the course of a two-month TV show. They only gave us fucking four episodes and then they were out. So our brains are like, but wait, what about the escalation of it? And what about the fantasy suites? And what about like, I need to, I have to see more of you two together. And so because we're craving it, we are all on their fucking Instagram 24 seven now. Their parasocial play, obviously it's unrivaled. What Dale did has never been done before. And maybe it is circumstantial because of COVID and all that shit. But Jesus. They're doing things like hometowns. There was a video of him with, his sister and Claire. I mean, and I'm not surprised. He's the king. He's the best we've ever seen. It's unstoppable. In the parasocial game. So congrats to the happy couple. We wish them well, but now we have to do what we came here to do tonight. (laughs) I asked Clues, what do we call like the heading of this episode? And he said, (laughs) I was like, is it episode five? Is it week four? He said, it's the third night one of the season. And you know what I'm talking about. The Phantom Night 1, the La Quinta Night 1, Part 1, and now the La Quinta Night 1, Part 2. Can I just say, it was so nice to watch a Night 1 and not know who wins, to not have any spoilers. Ugh. I completely agree. It's like I'm watching a game again, and I don't know the outcome, and I get to root for people or look at their play and be like, oh, fuck, I think that's going to be good for him or bad for him or whatever the case may be. Totally agree with you. This is why we try to stay spoiler free here, because the pleasure that you get out of this experience when you don't know is a higher level. I imagine that's what it's like watching a sports game. You don't want your friend to be like, 
this was the number, the score, the score. So without further ado, let's begin this. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Oh my god, we were right in the fucking pit. Moment one of this episode, we start with this very dark, dark Lord Harrison narration, and he describes the men as having endured quarantine, and then 16 men felt cheated, and they they cut to the image of the, the serious three men in suits walking again, <laughs> the trio. He says, for the first time in Bachelor history, a new bachelorette was summoned as though she is a demon from the pits of hell that Dark Lord Harrison can control at his behest. He rose her from the pool. Also, that thing you mentioned, the 16 men were left feeling cheated of an opportunity to find love. He's setting the tone here before we ever see a frame of what tonight's show is going to be. He is saying, the story is these cheated men. This is not about Tasha. This is about these men getting a fair opportunity. And that proves to be true about the entire thing. Uh, and we are back at the third night one, the cocktail party. The guys are wondering what the bachelorette is going to be like. Blake, knowing nothing, says that she will be similar to Claire. And then Tasha walks in. And this is the first slight. Here's the crown. Fuck you. In all other seasons, the men have to present themselves to the bachelorette one by one as they get out of the limo. The bachelorette is standing there, ready to receive them, and she is kind of put in this position of power over them. This is how every one of the games starts. Symbolically, this shows us that the men are there for her, that it's truly her journey, and they are trying to present themselves in a way that makes them valuable in her eyes. That allows her to see, oh, I like that guy, I don't like that guy. Here, in this show, (laughs) Taisha has to walk into a room and present herself to the men as a group. They all have the power of the experience they've been through. They have the power of numbers. And she, symbolically now, is there for their needs. She has to enter this fucking room of them. They are already all skeptical and angry at this process. And she has to present herself to them to see if they deem her worthy of staying on the show. This is the exact opposite of any normal season. She even says to them, I'm here for all of you. She literally says that phrase during her inauguration speech when she comes in, and she asks them to please give her a chance as Bachelorette. We are, at this point, through the fucking looking glass. Everything is backwards, and we know that what we're about to see is going to be some of the craziest shit we've ever seen in the show. All rules are gone. I also, I'm like, they could have just had the guys do this again. They could have had the guys do limo exits and give Tasha this full experience. You're getting these horrible hugs. She's like, I'm Tasha. Here's some hugs. We don't get to see any of their like first meetings. I did like Easy drops the line in here as soon as she enters and goes, oh my goodness. And I truly do feel like he is trying to play this Dale Moss strategy. He's like, I'm going to really go for it and say that I'm falling in love at first sight. I'm going full DM. He saw it work. 
He fucking watched Dale Moss do it. And I think it's a good strategy. We'll get to it a little bit later because he, he literally does it later. But I thought in this moment, a better thing they could have done for this night is hold a pageant. They could have had Mr. La Quinta. And they have <laughs> Tasha there in a judge's chair as each of the guys now has to come out and basically stand on the front of the stage and give us a little brief one minute monologue about themselves, what their job is, where they're from, what they're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. So she gets to meet all of them in a moment that's kind of a limo exit light. You don't have to have any grandies. You don't have to have any fucking tots unless you want it. And then you can fire the last four guys onto the back end of that. And it's all fine. Nobody's getting pissed because there's like a new limo pulling up and new guys coming in. You're all part of that same experience together when you're in this weird introduction. Something like a Mr. La Quinta pageant. Doesn't have to be that exactly, but you know. <laughs> uh, I, I really, better. really wish they had done Mr. La Quinta. I think that's such a better idea. These meetings are so terrible. We also, by the way, don't get any fucking intro for Tasha. Like, any intro package there's probably so many people who are watching this who have no idea who she is and even if they couldn't shoot anything they could have shown clips from when she was on the bachelor when she was on bachelor in paradise show the the prom sequence with john paul jones or something this is the second slight against our new bachelorette they don't treat her like a normal bachelorette this is a choice again by the producers it costs them nothing to fucking throw that in there. Just some clips of her old appearances and a little DLH narration. Tasha was on this season of Bachelor. And <laughs> then she wound up on Bachelor in Paradise where John Paul Jones took her to the prom. Whatever. Yeah. To have nothing. <laughs> they gave us three hours of Claire just wandering around that casita. And Tasha gets zero. Tasha doesn't even get a fucking ITM of her telling us about herself. We don't even get that. Yeah. It's nothing. They really, I think, are doing her very dirty so far this season. She gives a toast after these hugs, and she says, if you told me a week ago, I'd be like, no way that I'd be here, which is interesting. She quarantined for less than a week. Or she's acting, which is probably more accurate. I think she's been there for multiple weeks at this point, and she's just hamming it up. I think there's a lot of stuff, and we'll get to some of it that did not actually happen in this episode. So Tasha has a couple of little one-on-one times with Ivan and Riley. The one with Riley has an interesting line in it. He asks her what she does. And she says, I travel for work and pleasure. And I'm in the beauty and lifestyle space. And then Riley goes, huh, I'm a medical malpractice defense attorney in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) This line by Tasha, I travel quite a bit for work and for pleasure. I'm more so in the beauty and lifestyle space. What job is that that is described by these two lines? It's like, well, I do this as an aspect of it, but I'm more in this area, like this bubble. Like, what? And all she would have had to say is, oh, have you not heard the popular Bachelor Nation podcast clickbait? I'm the host. (laughs) That's all she would have had to say. Yeah, she should have done that. Instead, we get this weird meandering around. I'm traveling, but I'm also beauty and lifestyle space and all this shit. Jordan Z says an interesting line also. He says, this process has been proven to work, which I would argue is not true. (laughs) He just saw it. He's talking about Dale. He also tells her that he's happy she's here with her big ass eyes. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh my God. Blake's conversation with Tasha was so funny to me. He's like, 
giving like his own narrative of this whole thing to her saying, I feel like I went through the ringer. I came in with a lot of expectations, aka reading the Alzheimer's book, doing all this research. And he's like, it'll be better coming in with no expectations. And he sets up sort of these walls already saying, be patient with me and then I'll be more fun. It's a strange wall game. And I think ineffectual in this moment, there are a couple of players who are exhibiting this attitude that they're owed something or that she should be patient with them. And that simply is not the right play here. The only play you're making is I'm so glad it's you. You're way better than Claire. I am so excited to like actually have a chance to meet somebody and fall in love and do what I came here to do. This shit of like, well, I don't know. Just give me a chance. Maybe I'll open up if you're nice to me. That ain't going to work, dude. Jason also does this. He says, full transparency. I did have feelings for Claire. took down my walls. I didn't decide until 3 p.m. He gives her the exact timeline of his feelings meter and says, I know I'm still here for the right reasons. For TRR. Then Brendan has a little one-on-one time with her, and he says that he didn't have a deep connection with Claire, and getting this second chance is amazing. They're having a good moment. They're talking to one another, building rapport, and then we cut to the shadowy shrubbery of La Quinta. A shadow moves. What is it? It's coming closer. It emerges into the light, and this is DLH, just out at night fucking creeping through the shadows of the resort. And he comes upon Brendan and Taisha, and he takes Taisha away from him. And Brendan is like, okay, you're more important. You can take her. That was my error, 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 error of the game. Brendan does not play this steal off well. He should have made a joke like oh right i'll chris i'll give you this one but you owe me he should have done something instead he was like oh he's way more important than me just sort of putting him shrinking himself into the shrubbery anytime you have the opportunity to interact with dlh on a one-on-one level usually if you're a player it's only when he comes into the room to address a bunch of people or it's right before a rose ceremony or in the finals it's like when he's escorting you to the altar this is a definitely an opportunity blown here. Just like you're saying, he could have followed up with some kind of weird joke, some kind of interaction. Get a little more screen time out of that. You've got the Dark Lord standing right there. He has to interact with you. (laughs) Brennan dropped the ball here. He picks it back up, though. And then uh, DOH takes Taisha out front, and there's another limo of fucking guys that are showing up. And Riley tells us, literally... That the limousine full of guys is a bit of a, in quotes, curveball. And that is literally the term for this on night one. It's called the night one curveball when the producers throw something in to fuck up the whole night and make all the players who were there already feel intense anxiety. They are doing this to agitate the guys who are already there, undermining their ability to connect with Tasha even further. And the leftovers don't understand something. These 16 guys in this moment have absolute power. They can do whatever they want. All they have to do is unionize. They have to collectivize. (laughs) What experimental strategy number is this? I'm not even calling these experimental strategies. These are just like group strategies that no one ever fucking uses because I don't think they understand they have this power. All it takes is one of these guys to lead the other 16 and be like, look, guys, 
we were here first. We just went through all this crazy fucking shit. Now four guys are going to come in and get a fresh chance at this? Uh Uh-uh. If we all go to the producers and we say, well, you got a choice to make producers. You can let those four guys come in and the 16 of us walk so you can make a show with four dudes or they don't come in and we'll stay. Your call. Who's going to want to ruin their third audience play by doing that, by going to the producers? No one ruins it if they all go together. This is collective Mm. bargaining. Yeah, I feel like half of your experimental strategies are that people need to unionize and they never do. They have an extreme amount of power because there's no show without them. If they all go in together, the producers have to meet every demand they have. Especially now, since there's a quarantine, they can't just bring in new guys. Exactly. They had them over a barrel. They didn't use it. I'm not going to say it was an error because it requires a little bit of thinking outside of the just the basic mechanics of what are put in front of you, but it was an opportunity blown for sure. And we get four more limo exits to piss off all the rest of the guys. They have to basically start night one again. We get the alpha. First one out of the limo is Spencer. He's a water treatment engineer. He does Blandy. Spencer comes in hot to the mansion and says, so which one of you guys scared Claire away? And Kenny wants to give him his fimp. Yeah, he's immediately confrontational with all the other players. We're going to see how this winds up over the course of the season, but my instinct says he's going to burn out at some point. A bad second audience game, especially right up front, Horrible. it usually never works. You're going to get called out later as the person no one in the house likes, et cetera, et cetera, and you can only use the not-here-to-make-friends strategy for so long in the modern game before the lead sees through it, before you get a successful title against you. Something of that nature is coming. We can see it. The writing's on the wall, but it's going to be a, a great disaster to watch. Montel, a gym owner from Boston, gives a blandy. Peter, a real estate agent, gives a blandy. And then Noah, a nurse <laughs> from Oklahoma, does an it-takes-two standy. He has a stethoscope with him that he gives to her to use to listen to his heart and says, you should know where my heart is from the start. He's trying. I'll give him that. He's trying. By the way, he double dips on this. He looks like he's going back into the, he's going into the mansion, and then he comes back, takes a pause, and does another line to Tasha. I just wanted one more look. A beautiful performance, especially following all these blandies. Come on. Zach C. describes there being a stanky-ass energy in the room because of the sense of pride amongst these 16 guys. Riley is going to start out this new round by saying, may the best man win, literally using that phrase to let us know the game has begun. And then Tasha enters the room to give her second inauguration speech of the night. And as she's talking, (laughs) this fucking moment happens that was beautiful to behold to me. It was one of my favorite moments of the entire episode. (laughs) It's one of my favorite moments maybe in Bachelor history because we've gotten to this point where people know that aggression is rewarded. People know that getting to talk to somebody first is rewarded and that you just have to fucking do it. And so before her second inauguration speech is even over, there are four dudes just fucking like slow zombie walking toward her like <laughs> trying slow. to fucking elbow each other out it of the way. It was like a four man <laughs> rush on Tasha. It was so <laughs> intense. I've never seen anything like it. One man wins out amongst them all. He's the one who gets the tackle. Spencer. 
He's the winner. He swoops in there and grabs Tasha and drags her with him. And this was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Spencer is a new guy. He knows he's at a disadvantage because these guys have been at this cocktail party before him. And he's also at a disadvantage in the second audience game because he doesn't know the guys as well. There's only four of them. And he swoops in and gets this first responder role. And we're going to see that it pays off for him with the FIMP, even though doesn't do anything super remarkable in the conversation. But this steal was so important. The first responder role is very key because you get this first conversation. People are less likely to steal from you. They're going to give you more time as opposed to later in the night when it's more forgettable and the guys are doing steals more frequently. I loved this play from Spencer. It was not my play of the game. We will get to that later, but this was very close second. He knows coming in, not only do these other guys have the advantage because they've been there for a little while at this cocktail party, they've gone through a couple of weeks of the game. They've already gone on group dates. Some of them have been on -on one-on-ones. They've been at La Quinta. They've dealt with Dark Lord. They're in the process already. He also knows, by the way, that this is a truncated season. I'm sure they know Claire is gone and they're coming into the situation with these 16 guys. So he knows he doesn't have a lot of fucking time. The only game to be playing right now is pure aggression. You're going hard and fast every fucking opportunity. And he takes literally the first one to do just that. It was beautiful to watch. And he did it very well. DLH brings in Tasha's Fimp Rose, sets it out on the table. Uh, Bennett talks about this, basically the statistical significance, says a, a Fimp Rose goes a long way due to Dale getting the Fimp Rose and then proposing. Ed says this is life or death. And then Tasha goes on a series of mini dates with a bunch of the guys. Zach C says, you had me at bomb ass summer. And he brought some pennies. They throw them over their shoulders into a fountain and make some kind of a wish. And they they do a pinky swear to eventually tell each other the wish. I thought this was a a good bit of small game here. This might get you a rose at a rose ceremony. It's not going to get you a fimp. It's not going to do anything huge for you. But it's a nice little moment of rapport building. She's going to remember that penny. It's just a good way to kind of put yourself in like the top third of the crowd. You're not going to be at the very top, but you're not going to be at the bottom with a play like this. He also tells her, we're all pumped to have you here, which is like a good pick-me-up. He's sensing that maybe she's worried that they'll be disappointed or feel like she's a second choice. So it's just a a good way to seem for TRR and like take credit for it. Ben does a good move here. He makes Tasha do a little dance with him. I think that Ben is like a dark horse here. I feel like he might be in the top. Ben at best is a floater. Sorry to say <laughs> it. That motherfucker ain't making it to final three at all. No what? way. Who do you think no is final three? fucking way. Who do you think is final three? I think Brendan is final three. I think Zach? maybe easy. Easy? Maybe easy. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. I don't know, but it ain't Ben. I think Brendan's gonna fade and Ben is gonna soar. He'll, he'll, he'll have like a Catherine low season where he's sort of a floater and then dive in there we'll see we'll see so she does a series of these little mini dates with people and then she goes back into the common room 
and she takes Spencer away with the fimp, and all the other guys are pissed off. And of course, he wins the fucking fimp and gets a kiss. The first Tasha kiss. You almost always get a kiss after the delivering of a rose. Sometimes not the fimp, but usually now in the modern game you do. But here we see, just like you're saying, your play of the game paid off for him. He is given a fimp that by all rights could very well be the most powerful fimp in the history of the game. Because very usually, the fimp gets you through night one only. You still have to wake up that next morning. You still have to compete in whatever's happening over the course of that next week leading into the next rose ceremony. And you're not safe in that rose ceremony, technically. Statistically speaking, you almost always get a rose in that ceremony as well. (laughs) But you're not safe from it as you are on night one with the fimp. So here, because what we see later when Tasha says there is no rose ceremony tonight, this fimp is actually going to carry him through to a week because the first rose ceremony won't be... Uh, well, who knows what a week is in this weird, compressed <laughs> world, but... Do you think he'll be immune at the next rose ceremony? At the first rose ceremony? Yes. Well, that would be very impressive for him to get. Yeah, the rose giving often leads to a kiss, and it's used here with the fimp. It's often used by the lead to transition into a kiss. It's kind of like this weird exchange and it's it to me it's kind of like the lead doesn't really have to put that much effort in because there's just like traditional spots that you kiss oh there's fireworks going off oh now we can kiss oh we're at a private concert slow dancing now we can kiss like it's kind of these forced situations yeah they openly tell them too the fireworks are going to go off and you're going to kiss yeah and then we get this moment where DLH comes out, does a five ting, and Tasha basically says, I ain't doing a rose ceremony. Let's continue everyone's journey. Everybody cheers. They play redemption music for the guys. The show is repaying the guys back for their torture that they've been through. And then we get a very long preview package. This traditionally comes at the end of a normal night one episode. It's usually the last thing you see at the end of the first episode of a season, but here we're seeing it in this weird kind of 20 minutes in after she canceled what was supposed to be the rose ceremony where they show you previews from the entire rest of the season and we see that Tasha breaks down we see that there are hints of little dates and love level raises and kisses and her dad is pictured trying to stop her from making some huge mistake so we have that to look forward to and Tasha saying I can't do it anymore I just can't Is this her jump the fence moment? Are we going to see this in every single preview? I think the dad stopping her from a mistake is going to be or bring her home to us. And then we come back from commercial and Dark Lord Harrison greets us on a set. And he says, we should be watching Tasha's dates, but we can't do that right now. (laughs) Like an emergency broadcast. (laughs) He's telling us here that what you should be watching can't happen because of Claire. We can't do that right now. Because why? Because Claire needs to be dealt with. We got to wrap up this loose end. And so he brings Claire and Dale out to a weird fucking mid-episode hot seat that's kind of like an after the final rose, but it's just him and them. There's no audience, obviously. And it's in this weird fucking set that's very hellish, super red. It's an intimate after the final rose, like when Jason broke up with... uh... Melissa for Molly. No audience. The first thing that we see is Claire comes out and sits in the hot seat. She's happy. And DLH demands that he get to lay eyes on the ring. 
and it glints in the light as he says, damn. That's one of his favorite delicacies is to fawn over the rings of all the engaged players. He says, how many channels does that get? Good one, DLH. Not as good as you blew up the Bachelorette. Try again. By the way, in DLH's intro, he says this line. There's a lot of people in Bachelor Nation left with unanswered questions. Is this literally a documented case of love at first sight? I thought that was hilarious. Like he's reporting on a UFO sighting. They've documented something incredibly rare and scientifically valuable. Yeah. (laughs) He makes Claire... Admit that it was love at first sight. Absolutely. He demands this of her. She gives him those words. And then he asks why she was nervous on proposal night. And of course, she hits her catchphrase, never had a man show up for her. So we're just going down the list. It was love at first sight, right? Yep. Never had a man show up for you, right? Yep. Dale comes out to join her on the hot seat. And then DLH forces him also to admit that it was love at first sight for him. So they can check that off. By the way, their hot seat was so weird. It was like a giant couch. They looked like little children on it. They had to be diminished. They had to be demeaned. I believe this is the first ever black man on and after the final rose. A notable moment in history. Claire then delves even further into her showing up (laughs) metaphor for her life. She talks about how even last night she had the worst anxiety ever and he showed up for her while she was pacing around the pool and paced around the pool with her. She wants a man to show up for her when she's in yoga clothes, not just when she's in sparkly gowns. And DLH reiterates, you've been searching for so many years, basically like reinforcing that this is actually the end of a much longer journey than they've shown. even beyond the seven years she was on the show. And Claire hits again her dead father, saying that this is the only thing her dad wanted for her, that his dying words were that he wanted to make sure she was okay. He would be so proud. And yet no mention of the DVD. (laughs) If I was DLH, that would have been a question I asked. Has Dale seen the DVD? Because in this moment, Mm. it really is like... They have made a deal with the devil and cheated him out of it. They double-crossed Satan himself, and Satan is now sitting down for one final interview to be like, all right, motherfuckers, you want to do this? Let's do this. And it seems like he's forcing them to be like, it was love at first sight. We still love each other. Here's the ring. My dead dad. He showed up for me. She showed up for me. He walked around the pool with anxiety. It's all these things to qualify that this is fucking real. And the one thing they keep bringing up in the series again and again and again about when she finally finds the guy is that she's going to show him that fucking DVD. And here, the DVD is absent. They don't even mention it. I couldn't believe it. Opportunity wasted by DLH. He's losing a step. But he does bring up the skepticism of Bachelor Nation. And he asks them directly if they have ever met or communicated before. 100% no. On my dad's grave, there was never a single ounce of communication, Claire says. And he specifically uses this phrase. Straight (laughs) asks them, did you lie to Bachelor Nation? And I'm like, motherfucker, every episode of your show is a lie to Bachelor Nation. (laughs) How dare you fucking ask them if they lied? Of course they did. You made them lie. Like, that's the nature of the show. DLH, were you wearing the same shirt in multiple different scenes that were supposed to be different days? Something we 
still haven't gotten or to the in bottom the first of fucking episode when he's like we've all been quarantining here as a family and i've really gotten to know all these people it's like motherfucker we saw you in texas on instagram he straight lies to people and then claire admits to her parasocial behavior she says i followed a lot of the guys on the down low to see what they were doing so on the down low is implying that she has a burner instagram account right yeah has to but she once again skirts around the idea of the parasocial power of dale moss she doesn't quite understand it i think enough she's just kind of like i looked at his instagram and i got to see what he was doing in his life and that made me really like him. She said he was being a strong man, but also being open and vulnerable. Do you think Dale Moss was like personally making his material in his stories towards Claire, just assuming she was going to see it? Absolutely. So he's like talking about being vulnerable and like going to therapy and like all the shit that Claire will like. Absolutely. It's like when Fox News used to basically talk to Trump just through their broadcasts. You know? <laughs> They bring up this joke. Like, in fact, we were so not connected that he even asked my, for my number after we got engaged. LOL. They always have these weird qualifying things. That number thing was one of them. That was just like, we should take lie detector tests. Yeah, we'd pass. You asked for my number after we proposed. Ha 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 You know, all these fucking things. It's like, all right, Pineapples. we get it. Yeah, you, you've sold us pineapples. Fucking. She blames a couple of other things for this fast love story, such as the pandemic and that this is the first time a 39-year-old has been up here. I know exactly what I'm looking for. But she does include here, I've done nothing but respect this entire process. And DLH doesn't let her get away with it. He says... Well, you blew it up a little bit. Mm. He just cannot let it go. Because she's going to get away clean. She fucked the whole show up, in his mind anyway. Because I think he does believe that the producers are like, never to blame for anything. But he can't stand that she's going to walk out of there without having gone through all the necessary traumas and suffering that a lead should. She's never going to have to make that final choice. She's never going to have to be standing in an altar with two guys and dump one of them. She will never have to do that. And he hates it. She's never going to have one of her parents warning her in tears. Whether their relationship is real or not, I don't fucking know. But the way Claire did this was so fucking clean. And as I'm thinking back on it from the future in a historical perspective, I think it will go down <laughs> as one of the best bachelorette seasons that was ever played. It's certainly one of the most. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy. .co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. 
Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about. But I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband you want that you don't want it to be rolling you don't want it to be showing and i'm hooked i don't want to wear anything else it's all got to go now well this ad actually is kind of about that pace case everybody knows me undies <laughs> makes great underwear it's in the name me undies but it's not just about underwear you can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers hoodies onesies and a whole bunch more and their move me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market there's no doubt about it Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. It's fascinating. I've talked to a couple of people who are watching this. This is their first season. And I'm like, that is so extraordinary. Like, what do you think this show is? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not normal format. It's definitely very strange in terms of any other season. Nothing has ever happened like this, as they keep saying. Well, we've never gotten a relationship where there's sunbeams coming out of one of their hearts, which is what Claire said about Dale. I'm so happy how he makes me feel like sunbeams coming out of my heart into the world. Have you ever felt sunbeams, Clues? <laughs> I don't go outside during the day, so no, I have not. <laughs> DLH asks him what's next Claire laughs and says babies and Dale's just kind of like uh I guess so she's on it she's ready to get it going 
And then DLH ends this little section by pronouncing them engaged. I now pronounce you engaged, he says, as though he has any power to do so. (laughs) They kiss, they tell each other they love each other, and we've wrapped up this nice two-part segment that basically is telling us, Bachelor Nation, this is real, and it was love at first sight, they complete each other, and be happy for us. Now we can move on. There was no cybering, there was no Phantom Night 1. But just as they forced Claire and Dale into a rushed fantasy suite and a rushed proposal, these two stages of the game that must occur every season, they have now rushed them through and after the final rows so that we are given at least some idea that the full cycle of that relationship has taken place, even though it's in this weird fucking version of itself. And then we come back to Tasha. She's journaling on the couch just where Claire was sitting only a day ago. (laughs) Pen touches paper. Pen does touch paper here. You see it. Yeah. (laughs) Benevolent DLH comes in and tells them everybody's getting dates this week. Wow. The show is really helping out these guys after Claire fucked them. And DLH leaves in his dark wake the first date card. The title? Here's to a second shot at love. Blake, Riley, Zach, Jordan, Noah, Peter, Kenny, Jay, Easy, and who? Spencer will be on this date. And this date's a fucking doozy. A lot going on in it. I could spend like 20 minutes talking about the first image of this date. It is the exact image we saw in the tag after the men mutiny against Clary. The tag episode where Taisha emerges from the pool in a red bikini. That pool moment was shot on this group date. And she emerges from the water in a bikini to greet all of the guys. And this is a producer choice. That shot is not a candid shot that they got of her when she's just coming out of the pool to greet these guys. That's a set up shot with a camera pointed at her. She's acting in this. Those guys are nowhere near her when the shot is being taken. Later, of course, she emerges totally. from the pool to meet them, but this is a, a completely produced and directed piece of media that they're choosing to put in here that sexualizes her immediately. That's the first kind of image that we're seeing, not only in the trailer that they played earlier, but now her first date. She's being demeaned before she even greets the guys. She de- does demean them back, though. She says, is this what you're going to wear? And pressures them to all take their shirts off. I wrote Clues would be organizing a strike at this point when she makes them... <laughs> Get in swimsuits. I'd be organizing a strike as soon as they're like, you have to go outside in the fucking 120 degree heat. I'd be like, no, I'm good. I'll fucking just sit over here in my air conditioned room and look out the window. Oh, they, the producers would be like, oh, it's Clues issuing another strike. This is another Clues strike. This whole season <laughs> full of Clues strikes. And then DLH emerges and tells them they're all going to be playing Splash Ball. And it's a play for time. They split into two teams. They're forced to wear these Speedos. And the winning team is going to have an extra barbecue with an open bar with Taisha later that day. The losing team has to go home. And we see then that Splash Ball is essentially basketball (laughs) in a pool. And DLH and Taisha are sitting at a judge's table. Taisha is now in the spot of the recently deceased Fred Willard. She has taken up the role as DLH's co-host. I love that. A bunch of these guys, they've had to do two tours of the forced nudity group date. Claire's strip dodgeball and Tasha's splash ball. 
I also love that it's called Tasia's Splash Ball because it's as if she has anything to do with this and wants to like sit behind that fucking table commentating. There's also binoculars on her table. She's that far away from them. It does seem like Tasia is a much more willing participant with the producers. Yes. We know that Claire had another date planned with the guys where they were supposed to be talking about female anatomy and she was like, this is embarrassing. I'm not going to put them through that again. I don't think Tasha is going to give them any pushback on any of the dates they've got set up. No. So we are going to get a more traditional kind of back half of the season, I think, with her, at least in terms of how she's interacting with producers. Spencer is super aggressive in this play for time and ends up tackling Riley, gets him to elbow him in the face, basically by jumping on his back. And he gets an IFI here, an illness or injury play, and has a bloody lip. I loved this play. I got to say. He definitely provoked Riley because he was all over him. And he walks away with a bloody lip. Perfect. It's not a super bad injury. He's not going to have to go to the hospital or get stitches or anything. Just enough to see a little blood. Tasha comes over to check on him. They share a little moment. It's really well done and a hard thing to do to get an IFI just right so that it seems like it's genuine. All the other guys can see him bleeding too. It's like he's not fucking faking this, but it's also not so bad that it derails the whole fucking date and he has to go to the hospital. It's like right in that sweet spot. I congratulate him on that. <laughs> and then Spencer's team wins and they get this barbecue that we literally never fucking see a frame of. Why didn't they put this in the show? We don't see the fucking winner's barbecue and open bar. Release the winner's barbecue tapes now, ABC. I demand it. At least a shot of them, you know, doing shots at the bar, something. What's weird about it is. Because we don't see them have that time, it's like that time never existed. And if the benefit of winning was that you get to spend extra time with Tasha, great. But they're building their relationships out of our view. So it might as well not have happened at all in terms of what the viewing public is seeing. Easy continues to employ his Dale Moss strategy when he talks to Tasha. He does he pulls a how you doing with her and Tasha has never seen Dale Moss's game, notably, so Easy can basically do exactly what Dale Moss did with Claire in this. And he basically, he's like, you make me giggly. They talk about their energy. He's like, I'm digging it. You had me completely. I feel like I just met my wife. I don't know if this play is going to work in the long term or not, but it was fucking fascinating to see him try because you can see how adaptable he is in the game. He's like, fuck, this is how you do it? Dale Moss showed us all. He just blew us out of the fucking water? Great, let me try that. He's not afraid to take huge swings because he saw them work. That adaptability is fucking such a rare skill in this game. Usually people come in, they try one thing, and they beat it to death, and then they'll maybe branch off and be like, well, now I guess I got to tattle on somebody. They'll try some kind of last-ditch shitty thing. He's coming in from the beginning and being like, the best player I ever saw in my life. I'll just try and do what he did. And I think it's working. I think especially because of the circumstances of Tasha coming in, feeling like a second choice, going all out at Tasha, I feel like is the best strategy. She has a little one-on-one time with Zach C. They both ask each other, how are you still single? And Tasha says something that she's repeated a couple times, which is there's not a lot of men around me. They're all boys. I don't want to teach them how to be a man. So there's a lot of... A lot of emphasis on being a man in this season. And Zach gets a kiss on this date. A great reward for his exuding manliness. Yeah, Tasha says he feels like a man. Man test passed. 
She has a couple of one-on-one times with some other players, Jordan C., Riley, Kenny. She ITMs that they're all going well. She likes them all. She tells Riley that she wants five children. I feel like this is crazier than saying like your job is more so in health and beauty than in travel. Like that being your job description. <laughs> <laughs> five kids is where you draw the Five line. children is like, well, that's too many. And then we cut away to the guys and they're all sitting on the couches and Spencer and Riley start a little beef. Riley says, I owe you for my cracked ribs. Only he didn't say this. This line is not played on his face. It comes from an ITM and they've laid it here to make it seem like he's saying it to Spencer. And then Spencer says back, I think we're even, but if you want any more, let me know. And I think this was actually probably in response to how many drinks they'd had that night or pass me a slider or something. I don't think he was saying this about the cracked ribs. I think they put these things together to make it seem like they are more angry at one another than they actually are. But for this, Spencer says a line. He says, the group date went well. I got the W, obviously. I'll be interested to see who gets that rose. That'll be the ultimate W. Putting things completely in a game perspective, coming off super 40 WR for the wrong reasons. Again, reiterating this terrible second audience game. And then at the end of this conversation that never happened, some shit does actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny butts in and he tells Spencer, you come off like a dick. Spencer says he didn't know. Jay tells him that he absolutely did know you're stirring the pot. And he says he's not there to make enemies, but Tasha is the primary objective. So we do get the sense that it's building to be Spencer is the not here to make friends person. He's going to be a villain if he's not already. But they did amp it up in the beginning by cutting some shit together that never fucking happened. That is very important to understand that they're trying to build this rivalry to a higher level than it actually is by literally cutting things together that people never said. One thing Riley did say is that Spencer is lunch meat. (laughs) He says he's from a particular area where they would call him lunch meat. And he says, you like to talk a lot of shit. If you want to fuck with me, we can go. Spencer noted. So there is a little actual beef happening there, some rivalry. We'll see where that plays out over the course of the season. In his one-on-one time with Tasha, he gives her a side kiss, calling back his earlier IFI, and brings it up in their kiss, his injury. And In his ITM, he says, I've got this in the bag. He's definitely getting a hard villain edit at this point. Nonetheless, that was a brilliant fucking play. You get a kiss out of it, but you also remind her, look what I did for you. I incurred injury. And it's a cute, endearing kind of thing. He's showing to some degree a level of vulnerability, weakness, and she's going to find this attractive. He tells her that he's opened up. She's already bringing down his walls. And then Tasha comes back to the group. She gives her a little final speech for the GDR. It's between Zach and Easy, and Easy <laughs> gets it. She mentions the top three performers on the group date. She sp- says Spencer fought for her, Zach surprised her today, and Easy, thank you as well. She literally rewards the top three group date performers. This is something that you see sporadically through seasons. It's not in all seasons, but sometimes the producers make the leads do this, where before they hand out a group date rose, they will address 
two or three of the notable players on that group date and say what they did well, and then they'll give one of them the rose. But these are manufactured moments by the producers. They tell them to go out and say a few words about Easy, say a few words about him, say a few words about him, and give the rose to whoever. And here Easy gets it, and we are left wondering what about the sexual assault allegations that were on the internet right before the season started, and they seemed credible. It seemed like Reality Steve was reporting on it. They were on Reddit. This woman had tried to contact ABC and the production crew of this show, I guess to no avail. ABC's definitely aware. And they're still cutting it together like this. So we don't know if Easy makes it to the end, but for whatever reason, they're keeping him front and center in the show and they're giving him a pretty good edit at this point. Yeah, he ITMs. Maybe this is the greatest love story ever. Maybe I'm living it right now. It does seem like he's going to go far. He's got a ton of screen time. He's gotten a lot of followers. But one person who did not go far is Jason. After a brief conversation <laughs> with the guys where he tells them that he can't go on, he goes to Tasha's room and he tells her that he's still in love with Claire and he can't stay. He's love level fouring Claire post-mortem, which I think is very interesting. Jason's self-elimination was my... Error, 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 error of the game. You don't take yourself out of the fucking game ever for any reason. This is one of the most fundamental fucking rules of good play. There is no benefit to it. There's literally none. Whatever you might have at this point, maybe you'll get a paradise birth because of it. If you would have stayed on the show longer, you might have got a higher sand placement. Exactly. I was like, is this a grocery store Joe move? Is he like, if I do this exit that's super 4TRR, that'll get me something? But it's like, he could still do this exit and wait a little while longer. Clearly, he was up there in Tasha's ranking. Unless Claire really did a number on him and two men fell in love with her at first sight. We've, we've witnessed two cases of, of love at first sight documented on this show now. <laughs> I think that is the case. I think he really did fall in love with her. I, I don't think that he's like a calculating player by any means. Nonetheless, it was a bad play taking everything else kind of out of it. But I think it is because he's really actually in love with her. And yes, if Dale Moss can fucking do it, somebody else can too. I don't think it's like one guy falls in love in two weeks. If one can do it, two can do it. Or maybe the the fumes of the green dress imprinted on his mind and he's still smelling those fumes. He's like, I can't get Claire out of my head. <laughs> and Tasha in this conversation says this was one of her biggest fears that these guys would still be hung up on Claire and she'd be like a second choice. And Jason tries to allay that fear. The other 19 guys here are great. They're here for you. Don't question that. But now Tasha in an ITM is like, well, I'm starting to feel like this may be a problem. And she's building up this idea that we know is going to explode at some point that guys aren't really here for her. And then the next day, she has her one-on-one with Brendan. He's sitting around with all the guys and she comes riding in on a fucking horse. This is an animal husbandry date. She has a horse for him. He gets on it. They're riding around the swimming pool, I guess. By the way, what is with her having these like grand date entrances? 
every time they come upon her, it's a huge splash. She's coming out of the pool. She's riding on the horse and pulling a horse along with her. It's very impressive. But they apparently can't ride the horses off property. So they're just walking these horses (laughs) down the pathways of the La Quinta Resort. And they start talking. And right when it's getting good, DLH is there. He's at a little table. He's got some margaritas. He gives them one. They're like, okay, thanks. And then they walk a few steps and he turns around and fucking sprints back into some corridor and gets on a scooter and starts zipping around so that he can then meet them in another location. But the idea of it is that somehow they would think, I guess, he's magic that he's teleporting around? Is that why he's rushing and getting on the... What in the actual fuck were we watching? It was so fucking crazy. I was like, we've never seen DLH move. He just appears. He barely even walks. I mean, this was so crazy. And we're seeing DLH on screen so much more because he's like the only person quarantined who can host these dates. But I did think, because DLH had already stolen from Brendan at that a cocktail party previously i was like it is so funny if they keep it up all season that dlh is terrorizing this man like he just keeps sneaking up on him and like maybe does a home invasion on one of his dates <laughs> just if dlh home invades brennan while he's sleeping oh my god please let <laughs> this that is my fantasy. <laughs> i just didn't understand the premise of it that he's kind of comically popping up in ways that i guess are unexpected or that he shouldn't physically be able to do. And that's why he's got to be getting on the scooters and going around. It made no sense. It fell completely flat. DLH is a bad actor and the idea is bad. What it kind of reminded me of was a mimicry of Chris Soule's season when they had Jimmy Kimmel come on the date with Chris Soule's and Caitlin, and he was kind of comically interrupting each of their attempts at love or in Ben Higgins season when he had Ice Cube and Kevin Hart come on the date with Kayla. Similarly, they were interrupting them at every turn comically. And this seemed to be an attempt at that, but DLH can't do it. Yeah, it's a weird combination of things, a very interesting date type, because it also combined the element of like, they're, you know, out exploring the town and they'll stop in at an ice cream shop and then they'll share some noodle that they both eat at the same time and do some food play. But DLH is all of the different vendors. This was an idea created by a fucking producer. They're in a room saying, like, what can these dates be? What if we have one where they're on horses and Chris Harrison is going around on scooters and comically popping up when he shouldn't be able to? Like, the idea is just weird to me. How do you think of it? Who thought of it? Is it DLH's idea? I have to know the basis of this strange teleportation date. I have to. I definitely don't think DLH pitched that he should be sprinting to a bird scooter. It doesn't seem like his style. By the way here, Brendan does a pretty good move and says that she's more his type, his style. And Tasha's like, that makes me feel so good. And Tasha does something here. She is always using the terminology of the game. She refers to night one just by the phrase night one. My night one was this. Oh, it's better than I ever expected for my night one. And here she says, you're my first one-on-one. She is company man through and through. She's been immersed in the game for years. And once Brennan finally gets a moment alone with her in a swimming pool, they kiss and she calls him her everything. For me, this (laughs) means he's 
high up on the charts already. Then that night they go to dinner. There's a rose on the table. She asks him why he's still single. And he says that he has a little baggage, that this is a journey for him. And he drops his fucking PTC about getting married to his high school sweetheart in his early 20s and then falling out of love. There was no cheating or abuse or addiction, but the love wasn't there. They didn't know who they were without each other. And this pre-wife didn't want kids, so they went their separate ways. This PTC play was my... Play, 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 play of the game. PTCs are invaluable, as we know. They have to be used at the right time and the right place. And here, Brendan does it intuitively without even knowing what her response is going to be. He plays essentially the perfect first date PTC. Here's why I'm single. I got married too young. And I've been divorced. I hope that doesn't affect me negatively in your eyes. And then she turns it right back around. Hey, dude, same thing happened to me. You think he didn't know? No, I don't think he knew because he didn't know she was going to be bachelorette. He didn't research her. Someone might have. They might have talked about it in the house, in the rec room. That's true. Maybe he did know, but he played it well. He did know. He tricked me. (laughs) It didn't seem like he did. I, I agree with you that it seems like he didn't. But I'm just like, I mean, he might have. I don't think he's that good an actor. (laughs) I don't either. And to me, even though it wasn't purposeful in terms of him knowing that Taisha had been divorced, the net result of this play was obviously incredible. Not only does it get his PTC out there in a way that makes it okay, it is actually used to bond him to Taisha. It's something they have in fucking common. This play for me was it. In the whole of the game tonight, it was the best fucking play in terms of where it's going to get somebody. And we see it bear out, obviously, because he gets the fucking rose. By the way, he made a slight slip up in that PTC, which was that he said it wasn't addiction or infidelity or anything crazy like that. And then that is her PTC that she was cheated on by the person that she got divorced from. Uh, but yeah, I do think he played this date perfectly. Like even his day portion, when they kissed, he had a line. He said, there's something that I wanted to do on night one that I didn't get to do and kisses her in the pool. I thought that was such a good move. A lot of the time, like I said, like you're doing these kisses at these sort of forced moments. And this is one that he created for himself in the pool. And that's not even the end of the date. She takes him outside and there's fucking fireworks, which in almost every case, when you get fireworks... The other players are going to be near enough that they see them in the sky and they know what the fuck's going on. But the fireworks date is very usually a producer favorite. This is a sign that they are going to try to help you through this game as much as they can. As much as they've kind of shit on him with the DLH interrupting his date and all that, it does seem like they're on his side here. And then they share a few more kisses and Tasha fucking says in an ITM that she could marry him. And I'm like, what is fucking going on here? Is this going to be four episodes and out? Are they going to have three bachelorettes this season? And then we don't get a rose ceremony. We don't even get the hint of one. We're not even leading up to a rose ceremony. This just ends with a good date. So I have no fucking idea what they are doing structurally with this season and how they are now going to convey the rest of it to us. I guess next week we'll have a fucking rose ceremony at some point. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. I'm so curious if Spencer's fimp is going to is going to translate if it's going to be a super femp. 
I think it will be. But this week, Brendan got my play of the game. He was also my... M-M-M-M-M-V-P. For the situation these guys were put in, to be doing any kind of good play is astonishing to me. Not only did Brennan have the right attitude about Tasha coming in and play it perfectly and say, you're actually more my speed. I like the way you look on that horse. He's giving her all these compliments. He's assuring her that he's there for her. He plays this fucking PTC at the exact right time with the exact right tone to get maximum benefit out of it. Not only does he get the rose, I think that PTC play is going to affect her view of him for the duration of this season. I think it was such a strong thing. It's not just about sympathy with that PTC. It's also about that they now identify with each other. They've gone through the same experience. Really beautifully done. And to me, he was the standout player. For me, Spencer got my play of the game, and he was also my... M-M-M-M-V-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
like I said, I do think Claire's going to go down in history as one of the best leads that ever existed, simply because she was so for TRR. If her and Dale wind up getting married and having kids, they're going to have them back on every fucking reunion show until doomsday. They will kind of, I think, usurp Trista and Ryan as kind of the image of what this show is. That would be interesting to see. Right now in the Power Binge, we're on Ben Higgins' season. And something that you notice when you're watching so many seasons in a row is the repetitive things. And one of those is that they always bring Sean and Catherine back. And it's interesting who are going to be those next like long-term couples that they bring out over and over. No longer Ashley and JP. I can see Dale ascending very quickly in the ranks of the Bachelor Pantheon. He's kind of made for it. If they stay together. Yeah, if they stay together. I think they're going to. Wow. Dale made clues believe in love again. That's the power of the Bachelor. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this analysis of this week's game. It was a crazy one for many reasons. It's also a new world that we're living in. I just feel different. Like I knew that there was a fucking weight pressing down on me the last four years. I knew it was there. I just didn't know how heavy it was because I kind of got used to it. And then as soon as fucking Biden gets called as president, it's gone. And I'm like, fuck, that shit was heavy. Is that how you feel about Claire and Tasha? <laughs> no, because the season is still fucked. It's still not a real bachelorette. They're, yeah. they're riding fucking horses around a swimming pool. I need helicopters. I need the fucking international travel. I need to see him jumping off of fucking yachts into clear blue waters. I need the bystanders. There wasn't even a Jorge Marino bystander of the week this week. It sucked. This is a very muted version of the show, and it's not great. But we will watch it all, of course. By the way, I felt that weight lifted from me on Saturday when they finally called the election as well. I realized we'll talk more about this in in State of the World, but... I didn't realize the difference that it would feel from like Friday to Saturday where it was like, we knew he probably was going to win, but then it actually being called, it was like, I was just so fucking happy. And it was amazing to see like this collective joy in the streets as well. Like (laughs) so many people celebrating. Yeah, it was fantastic. We hope that everybody listening had some kind of similar catharsis occur (laughs) over this past weekend and that uh, you're all feeling a little better about the world as well. And thank you, of course, for sending us all the tidbits that we live on down at the bottom of the pit. It is what keeps us going. A lot of good, crazy shit flying around right now. As always, honestly, <laughs> yeah. the, the Bachelor news cycle never really slows down. The pit bits are flying. We cannot thank you all enough for continuing to put glowing reviews on Clickbait's <laughs> iTunes channel. Yes. I go in there and I look at them every couple of days and I'm just like, this is hilarious. Now what has happened is Clickbait gets some very bad reviews from people who just listen to it. Now it's almost like a weird reversal has happened where the only five-star reviews they have are ones asking for us to be on the show. Oh my God. And every other review is, is a so bad, ridiculous. like two, one-star review. Ugh. One day, one day we'll be on Clickbait. We are going to get on Clickbait and now we're going to be able to talk to Tasha. I can't wait. I'm looking very forward to our debut on Clickbait. Me too. And, of course, join us this Friday. We're going to be bringing you This Week in Bachelor Nation. 
where we go through the state of the world, the Bachelor Nation news, the parasocial play of the week, Screams from the Pit, which is going to have Shoya from Relationship Hero with us again to analyze all of our horrible issues that come from having a relationship with this show. And we may be debuting a little mini segment, something you haven't heard of yet. (laughs) I think you're going to like it. I like it. I do too. It may be something we do every once in a while. So be sure to look for that. It's a little weird. (laughs) But what is it at this point? Everything we do at this point, I'm just like... Unlike the rest of the show, which is normal and standard. Anyway, here's our countdown to Days Without a Black Bachelor. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of, before we go, what's the dwab at? It has been 6,806 days without a Black Bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 